0: All right, what's up, Mijuele listeners? Stuart Anderson here with a short introduction to our podcast with Alex Grant, local legend. We're grateful to have him on, thankful for the time that he spent sharing some of his race tactics, training tactics, advice for life, and uh, all the things that kind of make him one of the great racers and cyclists here in the Utah community. We're grateful for him and thankful for the time he spent with us. I've worked with Alex for the last year and a half as a coach, Uh, thankful for him and all of his Great advice. Uh, man, he is one smart dude. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast we, we spend with Alex. Huge shout-out to our uh, sponsor, volley They've got a lot of uh, new things coming for the spring. If you want to check out their website, www.voler.com. Uh, obviously, they supply all of the custom gear for the team, as well as a lot of fun retail things uh, coming out with a lot of fun colors. So anyway... Uh, love Volet. We're grateful for them and their support. All our thanks to Alex. Take care and enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. What's up? Me Dwell a podcast. Grateful to be with you. Um, such a fun, exciting episode today. Alex, we actually had you on the list when the concept of podcast was created for the team. So I can't right. wait. <laughs> what well, an
1: honor. Thanks for having me on. Great to so be Alex,
0: here. Alex Grant's here. Jake Cook, Spencer Chipping. What's up, dudes? hello hey. well dude camp's over any other big announcements guys like what any anything we got to talk about it's fun that it's getting warm outside yeah jake doesn't even care that it's not warm he just goes out anyway so.
2: i I, re- I refuse to get on zwift i cancel my membership and i'm done <laughs> I'm, out. I'm out i am out.
1: i just it... rode home i just home from work it wasn't very warm
2: uh,
0: no <laughs> dude, it, was <laughs>
2: it, it was cold this morning for sure <laughs> yeah
0: oh well, good get out of this morning when you say this morning, though, Jake, you were out like five thirty. It's not like you were out like
2: at nine. <laughs> well, I saw you guys get on Zwift. Seriously, I just can't get myself on Zwift these days. No. It's, it's. Last year we were riding like Tibble Fork this time of year, and I know we're still on Zwift. It's
0: crazy. Well, that's because we weren't going to work or school. We were like leaving True. the house at nine o'clock because everyone thought your breath was going to kill me.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're a year from that. Yeah, that was that. ridiculous. Like my kid, our kids were like done with school. They're like home. Like, what did they do all day? I don't even know.
2: <laughs> so,
0: all right. Well, I've got a short bio. Hopefully Alex will forgive me. I wrote this myself. I pieced it together. So I'll watch his face to see if he's laughing or if he's frowning as I read this. So, okay. I'll jump in and
1: correct you if needed.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, born in Richmond, Vermont, a small town, 20 miles outside Burlington. I actually don't even know where Burlington is. So it doesn't, it's that. Northern, northern Vermont northern
1: Vermont about northern. an hour and a half from Canada okay right on Lake Champlain
0: so moved to Salt Lake City 1998 for college and snow I didn't know that uh used yeah. to play used to play a lot of pond hockey as a kid and love skiing snowboarding and soccer and then mostly focused on snowboarding through his late teens and early 20s and when you say focused on snowboarding what does that mean were you like trying to competitions and stuff. Yeah,
1: when I was yeah, like 16 through 20 and in 21 I was doing slope style and big air competitions. Then I got out here and I wanted to do like free ride stuff and backcountry, you know, we were doing photos and trying to get videos and um yeah, I mean it was I it's I wouldn't say like I was trying to be you know like a full-time pro. I was just having fun pushing it and just doing what I could. I had some informal sponsorships and got some free snowboards and equipment and nice. had a good time with it. And eventually, you know, injuries caught up to me with that sport, but um, it was fun while I did it.
0: No you, stayed, you stayed here. I mean, you didn't move back or anything. So that's cool. You've you've yeah, stayed the longer.
1: Yeah. Utah's yeah. an amazing place. I came for the snowboarding, but the longer I'm here, the deeper the roots get and I discovered how awesome all the other stuff is, the, the hiking, biking, you know, it, there's just so much good stuff about the state that, yeah, I'm, I'm here now permanent resident. I've actually been here for 21 years or no, sorry. Uh, 24 years, 23 or four. And I was 18 years in Vermont. So more than half Ooh. my life here.
0: Nice. Very cool. Uh, started racing bikes in the late, uh, 1990s in new England. And then raced he was 18, but then took a break to snowboard travel and then picked up, cycling and racing in 2004 a pro card in 2015 uh Uh, actually 2000 or i mean 2005 sorry
1: yeah 2005 i was doing like regional like intermountain cups in pro and then 2006 i got a full-on like you know norba usa cycling pro license
0: nice and that was here you were obviously living here at the time okay um We'll talk more about that, but spends his days managing gear rush. And if you didn't know, it's a consignment store, which specializes in cycling and outdoor gear. And they primarily sell on eBay and serve. Um, it's like a, what do I call it, Alex? Like an outlet for local out, like for the community. I mean. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, we're, we're a consignment shop and yeah, we're just an outlet for people to, to flip their gear, sell it to a new user, make some space in the garage, get some cash for some new gear themselves. of that never-ending gear cycle that we're all part of nice (laughs) yeah it works great yeah there's a a really solid community here of of athletes and companies and shops and so we've got access to a lot of really cool stuff and we ship all over the world
0: cool uh i met alex about a year and a half ago through bart uh, my good friend and neighbor bart gillespie i asked bart if alex would be willing to offer advice and training and coaching Um, I got to the end of the 2019 season, super frustrated and mad about loaded your result. And, um, I, I called up Alex and every month since we spend time on the phone talking about, um, lifestyle coaching training. Um, and the, the reason I really enjoy talking to Alex is because he has two girls like me. I have two girls, a family, a small business that we both, I mean, he runs a small business. I run a small, I mean, it's. A very similar life uh, minus the part that he is the holds the king of the mountain up big cottonwood at 54 minutes and like five seconds but we'll that talk is insane. about insane. <laughs> that is insane <laughs> uh, but Most of the in the it's day. it's been really cool uh getting to know alex and and um spend time with him i i really feel like um he is the kind of guy that everyone should take advice from not only about cycling but balance life um all the things that make a good dude a good man so thanks yeah, happy uh, to help yeah man so one thing that i did today research wise and this chip can kind of spence can take this over but um i had no dude i did not know you've never lost correct me if i'm wrong you've never lost a point to point race you've been in that's right oh my <laughs> man
1: eight time winner and um i think it's going to stay there Yes, that is great to hear. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead on that one just because, yeah, I did. I think I did six in a row. Yep. Um, And then uh, there was some other things happening. Maybe 2015, I think I went to world championships for cross country. 2016, I was injured. And then 2017, uh, we had a kid like two days before the race. So that didn't happen. And then I came back in 2018 and 19 and won. Um, And then last year was canceled and this year i mean i just last year was going to be my last year anyway so i'm kind of stepping back from the serious um racing so it's Mm. gonna it's gonna stay there a clean record on that one yeah look at all those times too
2: the the times have like gotten faster and faster except 2012 but every year they get faster
1: Yeah, yeah so it changed the course changed every year so that's the challenge with that one it's not like leadville where you can compare or like crusher where you can say, okay, it was the exact same course. There's always something different, especially the first couple of years. It was a lot different um, than it was these past few years. Um, so yeah, the times have gotten faster. The course has gotten less steep and more like flowing climbs and they've definitely cut some stuff out. That was pretty slow. So yeah, the times have gone down. I think the first year I was over seven hours, like yep. seven hours and four minutes. And then down to like this past year, I think it was six hours and like five or six minutes. So it's gone down yep. an hour. There was one, like you said, 2012, that year we had uh, rain in the morning. So they cut out round Valley. Mm-hmm. So that year it was like five hours and 55 minutes, but they cut out the round Valley section. So it doesn't yeah. really
3: count. Crazy. To, to give you guys an idea of those times, like, uh, on our team finishing, um, you know, I'm in the nine hour and close to 10 hour uh time frame of of point to point so we're talking about a three two and a half to three hour difference of
0: alex and alex and has me. finished his cafe Rio meal by the time that <laughs> yeah me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> he spends he spends no time at that What what is that rest stop that, like the, the oasis the oasis? <laughs> the oasis alex <laughs> yeah. spends no time at the oasis i, I assume
1: one of the canyons
3: yeah, like the last <laughs> you one? You, you, yeah. you make the uh kind of the okay. tops of the tents come off. You go by there so fast, <laughs> they're just like, Wait, don't you want some miso soup? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: well, I mean, props to anyone for finishing that one, no matter what the time. It's almost harder to be out there for longer, in a sense. So, yeah, right. yeah.
0: Uh, Leadville, you took third place, Crush on the Tusher, you won 2019. You know, any 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 comments on on Leadville? I've uh, I i do not know if anybody on our team has even done it. Chip, have I don't know of anyone. It,
3: it's, it's hard to get into. It's re- and that would be the only reason didn't, why. But
2: didn't yeah. Greg Iverson get in or do it? Yeah, last year last, last year. last year Greg, Greg
1: got in. But um, thir- third
0: third out. What year was that? Yeah, I think
1: I was third in two thousand eleven. It, it is yeah. tough to get into, um, and it's gotten more and more and more yeah. you know, popular and just it's huge now. Um, but you know, it's the kind of thing where if, if it's, if you got in and, and, uh, and that was sort of your, and you're sort of wanted to dip a toe into mountain biking from road cycling, it's not a bad one to try just because of the nature of the course. It's mostly dirt roads. It's not very technical. It is really high altitude. There's a lot of climbing, but it's not super challenging as far as terrain goes. Um, and it's, it's one of those, like, you're never, you're never like out there, past like help you know i mean yeah there are some remote spots but um yeah it'd it'd be a good one to check out and it's high altitude but not a ton of climbing at the same time if you look at the overall elevation gain of only like 10 or something thousand feet over 104 miles it's not crazy hard with climbing it's just the altitude that makes it tough yeah a great event i mean really cool with the format out and back you get to see all the riders on the way out and back so you pass a lot a lot of people thousands of riders and everyone gives each other encouragement and it's just the whole town sort of i mean this year might be a little different but like i mean maybe by august it won't be the whole town it's just exploded with people and it's packed and it's it's a great vibe yeah nice
3: what about your total time in crusher we i you were the winner in 2019 i was there alex what was uh that finishing time
1: i think it was about four hours and 15 minutes or so yeah To give,
3: once again, to give you guys kind of an idea, (laughs) mine is six hours. She finished on Sunday.
1: (laughs) So, two hours, (laughs) two hours after Alex. I mean, that one just, I guess, kind of like the point to point. I would say anyone finishing that one, I mean, that's a feat. That's brutal. That's one of the toughest days on the bike out there for sure. Will you, you be know, back?
3: Will you be back at uh, Crusher this year, Alex?
1: Not this year. No. Uh, kind of like I said, if I do anything this year, it's going to be maybe some local cross in the fall, maybe some local mountain bike stuff. But as far as that, the serious high level stuff, I'm, those days are behind me. And I, I feel like I, I I left on a good note with that in 2019, with winning the Crusher and winning the yeah. points mm-hmm. again. Um, it's just the time commitment and the the commitment to do it at that level with two kids in a business, like now my kids are, they're six. Well, one of them will be six in a week and the other is three and a half. So to take that time needed to prepare, um, it's more of a sacrifice. They can do things now, go on rides. We can go camping with them and stuff. So I've been doing more of that kind of thing. Take them skiing yeah. instead of just saying, well, like, Oh, I'm going to be training again, you know? So, um, and I'm content with that. I feel good about it. If I do the crusher again, maybe I'll do it. for five, 10 years, I'll just go and ride it. Do an age group thing, you know. But. Yeah, nice. Yep. He's got yeah, he's I'm got
2: like- Porter's fork on his mind right now. That's what he's got.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I tried to get that KOM last fall and I we know. Oh we know,
2: we've been, we've been watching you. We've been watching you.
1: And you know, I just had to give up after
0: a couple tries. Maybe <laughs> maybe this summer. That's a really hard climb. We could we could position me, Jake, and Spence along and we could like push, like a push. Mid, uh-huh. mid,
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's any Strava regulations on pushing, so sure, let's do it. <laughs> whatever.
0: My fastest time up uh, Tanner's Flat came when Dave Britton pushed me, like, almost the whole way through on uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate Challenge, so right. whatever. Okay. Hey, yeah, Alex. That's what
1: they do in the pro races, so yeah, why
0: not? I think it would be cool um not to, like, I mean, if you want to talk about it, but um 2019 was just a different year for you because of the circumstances with the sponsors and your and the, the people that were supporting you. Do you want to dive into maybe your mindset for 2019 and how those races kind of came together for you?
1: Yeah, 2019, like sort of, you know, 2017, 18, 19, sort of it was a less and less, you know, sponsor support each year, just kind of gradually phasing out. And I realized in those seasons, it was just all about me and like what I wanted to do and what I had left to sort of prove mostly to myself. So that's kind of the outlook I had, you know, I had, uh, I had some great sponsors that continued on support, but as far as like team support was drying up and I just, I had, um, you know, gear rush and, and hyper threads that year and NV composites is a longtime sponsor in Cannondale. And I just kind of did a privateer program, just me, some custom jerseys kind of wore whatever I wanted from hyper threads, had some gear rush kits And it was a it was a great way to to sort of finish out my career because I'd been on the teams you know where you have your team sponsors and you got you know you have to sort of go along with those and 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 this season I could just oh and you have to do the calendar they want and they say last few seasons it was just whatever I wanted to do I picked the schedule chose what I wanted and that allowed me to prepare better Um, and so that year um, a lot of times I would have been traveling to various cross country races all over through the spring and, and like May and June are super busy with races. And then the years I'd done the crusher, it was like, Oh crap. Crusher is in like a week. I better get the cross bike rolling, you know, and get out on that and then to go to the crusher. And that's not, a, not the best prep. I'd probably have been at lower altitude racing, doing like a different style of training, cross country training is a lot more higher intensity, explosive, uh, just the nature of the racing. It's not like long climbs at altitude. So my preparation was never that great and so in 2019 i was able to all through uh, pretty much after you know i think i did the epic rides in, in grand junction and then i pretty much and that's the middle of may and then i just had like six weeks to really just get ready for crusher i did a lot of climbing on the cross bike and on the road bike um and it paid off it it really helped so made a big difference
0: very cool um maybe talk about how you got into it and how you found out that you were good at this i mean i um, i assume yeah. you well, are good. in general just yeah like cycling like i'm sure there was a point where you were like i'm gonna give this a go i'm gonna like really try this and and make this a thing
1: yeah that that that's i mean i was 13 um back in vermont and as a kid i just did all kinds of like pond hockey and And just kind of whatever. Um, I didn't really do a lot of serious sports. I played some soccer, um, nothing too crazy. And then my mom got this Peugeot mountain bike. And I lived, I grew up in the woods on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. So didn't have a whole lot of you know, like places to go play. So my mom got this mountain bike, you know, and I was like, wow, this thing's cool. I would take it around the house and then took it out in the woods. Um, and so then my parents were like, Oh, gee, he seems to really enjoy that. So then You know, maybe around 1993 or 94, they got me a mountain bike for Christmas. Um, You know, I was 13 or 14 and I was just so stoked and just started riding right away. My buddy and I would load up these fanny packs with like food and go out and just, we had all these snow machine trails near my house and we just go explore um, some sketchy double tracks. I mean, single track wasn't really a thing then. This is the early nineties. It was just riding on whatever double track trails and Jeep roads. Um, and it was just a blast. And I, and I started to notice like, man, my friend, he just, he can't keep up. Like, I don't know. And like, I, it wasn't like we were racing or anything. It's just like, I don't know. And like, so then <laughs> and then he'd been doing some racing too. And so then I'm like, maybe I should try a race if, you know, I don't know how that'll go. So I jumped in this like beginner race at Catamount, which is Catamount Family Center. Uh, it's in Williston, Vermont. It's one of the longest, it probably is the longest running weekly race series and one of the biggest, and they, they used to have like a, um, a pro XCT there. They've had some big races there over the years. Um, and that was just a blessing to have that right there. It was 15, 20 minutes from my house. So I just went and there was just like a great racing scene that I got to jump into. I had some pretty good success right away in the beginner category. And I just kind of took it from there. Um, you know, I was super into, buying parts out of the mail order catalog from mountain bike action. And I, so I got a, a shock the next year and some custom bar ends, you know, I was just like, so into like every little development with mountain bikes back then. And, um, I don't know. I just, from there, just kind of kept racing in new England through my late teens. I did like, back then it was junior sport and then I did junior expert and the, and that's the late nineties in new England was this crazy scene it was, it was huge. You, the fields were massive. There was just like thousands of racers at like a, you know, an Eastern cup race or I think back then they were called, you know, there's trail 66 route 66, you know, there was semi pro there was pro, there was expert and every field was packed. Um, it was crazy and it was probably the same out here and talking to some of my buddies, like, you know, Brandon Firth and Bart who raced out here, like the late nineties was just boom. So I hit that like really I, I timed that really well. And there was a, a ton of opportunity to race all over New England on like technical courses, um, through my like summers of my teens. And when I got, I, I, still in the winters, like back then it was a little different now people train in the winter and ride bikes and when it's cold. Like that was not something we did. No way. So it was just all snowboarding in the winter. And so that was kind of my other passion. And that sort of like was, that took over around like 18 19 and I came out here to go to school and I didn't really r- ride that much, um, or race that much at all between, you know, 19 and, and 24. Like, like sort of saying, I got back into it. Like, you know, I sort of, sort of did my thing with snowboarding and realized like, yeah, I mean, this is, that's not something that, um, I'm going to pursue that much further other than I was through my twenties waiting tables. And just like, a I guess you'd call it a snowboard bum. I, I graduated college and just that's what I did. I would snowboard all day in the winter and then wait tables all night. And then (laughs) I wake up and do it again. And then, so that in the summer translated into mountain biking during the day as Mm -hmm. I realized I missed it. Um, and then I had a friend, um, who I lived with at the time and he's like, Hey man, we should do the Brian head Epic 100. And I was like, what's that? Like I, at that point had never ridden my bike more than like probably two, two, two to three hours. And like the three hours was only in like a race or something. Like I had never done hundred miles. No way. It wasn't even like thought. Because I was I didn't come from like a road cycling background where people did centuries or anything. Like so I was like sure let's do it. You know. And it was it ended up being um, we were totally unprepared and had no idea what we we're getting into because a hundred mile mountain bike race is crazy hard. <laughs> um, but it just like lit this fire under me. And it was like, I'm like, wow, I missed this so much. Like the whole, like pushing yourself and like feeling that, like, you know, the suffering and the challenge and the racing people. And so I was like, dang, look at that. There's races out here. So there was, I started doing some Intermountain Cups that year out here in 2004 and some weekly stuff. There was like the Sundance and Soldier Hollow race series. So I really got into those in like 2004, 2005. And then it just kind of like took off from there. Um, and I just kept, kept rolling with it at, at that point. So
0: very cool. Mm. what do you think um, like led to the, to your success? Like, why do you think you were good at it?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I, it's a good question. I, I, I there's always a certain like component of uh, genetics and I don't know how much, like, like the, it's like the whole, like that book, the sports gene, right? Like it's a blend of nature versus nurture. So it probably is a lot of, I mean, I used to run around in the woods a lot, and uh just like play hard outside when i was a kid so maybe that <laughs> built some endurance when i was younger um you know who knows maybe maybe the you know the snowboarding in the winter was a nice compliment to like the you know the mountain bike sort of skills that you need like agility and reading terrain like you know so i think it's a combination of things um like i was never the most gifted right away like physically talented as far as um is like my engine goes. Um, so I had to build that. Like I was pretty determined, you know, to get better. And so like, it took me a long time to build it up. Like in 2000, and, you know, four and five, when I was starting back up, like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at the front of a pro race. Like it took a long time to get there. Um, and I just sort of kept at it. I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty stubborn. if I pick something that I want to do, like, I'm going to see it through. So I think that was part of it. Um, for some reason I've, I love mountain bike racing. And it, it's also, it's like an outlet for me. I mean, everyone has their own sort of why they do stuff, but for me, like it's just an outlet. It it blows off steam. I'm otherwise probably a way less, uh, uh, agreeable person to be around if I don't get some exercise. So I guess, yeah, right. Is, like <laughs> I, I found that I didn't like when I wasn't racing after a few years, I was like going on these like trail runs, like 90 minute trail run and i'm like pushing myself and i was like ah geez what am i doing out here like i guess i need this right so i mean it sort of like found me like when i took a break it sort of found me again and like it's just like part of my life that I. it's like something that i need i guess everyone needs everyone's got their own you know different ways of coping and that's mine i guess so
0: fits in you guys got questions for him
3: yeah Where, where are you running right now alex when you get out on your on your trail runs that you just mentioned you uh, you're kind of, um, maybe we were recording when you mentioned this or maybe we weren't, but Alex was talking a little bit about getting outside and running a little bit right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have been this spring a little bit because I, I mean, daylight savings kills me every year. Like the morning you, you, all of a sudden it's getting light in the morning and then all of a, and then boom, back an hour and it's dark and cold at seven, seven thirty. So, um, I haven't been on these cold mornings. I haven't been that motivated to get out and ride. And I pretty much I don't own a trainer anymore. Um, so I don't have that option. So I'm like, it's outside or nothing. So mm-hmm. I just been getting on these nice trail runs like sun's rising. I've been over on like Mount Van Cot um, and it, mm-hmm. running something with me. I've had a, a couple injuries that have made running a bit of a challenge, but it's something that I, I enjoy doing. I just love the feeling of you know, like I, I mean, I'm not that serious. Like I, when I say I'm going on these trail runs, it's like four and a half miles. I did one that was over like just over five miles, like nothing crazy. I'm not going on like a 15 mile trail run or anything, but um, I just like to get out. And uh, it's like the simplicity of running is kind of nice after so many years cycling where I just throw on a pair of shoes and or something, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh, it's easy. Put on some shoes and go. So yeah. works for now. As soon as we get some warmer mornings uh, and it's lighter out, I'm sure I'll be on the bike though. <laughs> Alex,
3: it's fun to, when you're, when you're out running and then you get to be the trail runner that gets frustrated with the mountain bikers that don't know what they're doing when they're running by,
1: you know? Yeah. yeah well, I don't see that many in, the, in these mornings. It's too cold, but um, yeah. I'll get out of the way, you know, and, and, and whatever, if I think they're going to have a hard time stopping or it's a weird spot <laughs> where they have to get up over some rock and it's like, they can't just stop where they are. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I, uh, that is true. I should force the issue.
3: Yeah. You could, uh, it would be cool for you to give the mountain biker some advice from the runner on the trail. Let me show you how to get over that to climb there.
1: I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) It is kind of Um, interesting. Yeah. To be on the other side of that, you know, I haven't, I hadn't thought of that, but no, I, I don't see too many. I actually don't run on too many of the trails that I would bike on. I'll go on the stuff that like would not be that fun for, for riding unless you're going down, like the steep climbs are better for I'd rather run up a steep hill than on the flat any day. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Alex, you, uh, you made mention or you touched a little bit on like you left a little bit and then eventually found you, you you came back to it and uh, you had to kind of rebuild that engine. I'm kind of curious, maybe, can you go a little bit deeper on, on how you were able to build that engine back up or, um, any pointers or
1: thoughts? Yeah, no, that was definitely a a bit of a rude awakening. You know, like I, I remembered how I used to race and I remember my first cross country race back. I, like, went way too hard, and then I just cramped after two laps. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, this does take a little in getting used to. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a, a gradual build, you know. Like, I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes along the way um, and probably had myself way too tired and overdid it and all that through my 20s just because at that point I was self-coached. I, did, I never worked with a coach until I was 32, 33. So actually until I was almost 33. So I, I just did my whatever I thought until I was 33. And then at that point I got on a team. Um, and so that was, you know, all through my late twenties, I was rep. I worked full-time as a sales rep, um, you know, from 2007 till 2010, well, 2011 actually. And then I was working, um, we started Gear Rush in 2011 and that's been a full-time thing since. And so for me, like it was always, that outlet. And it was, it. I think the working sort of kept me from overdoing it too much because, you know, someone in their like late twenties without kids, like you have all, if someone had like all the time to ride and not working, like it's easy to overdo it where, you know, that might burn you out and you might have a shorter career. And I think that's part of the reason I had a long career is that I, because I was working, it was sort of a I always had the time that I had. So I didn't, I couldn't really overdo it. And I just kind of built up slowly year over year would start to add up. And then, um, I started to get a lot of really good results, you know, right around 2010, um, into 2011. And 2011 is when I got a podium at Leadville in third, um, 2010, I was second at La Ruta for the second year in a row down in Costa Rica. Um, and I, I just like the results. I was all of a sudden I was like, whoa! I'm and Oh, I had a Leadville, um, race in 2009 where I like rode with Lance Armstrong which is actually quite funny because I'd I'd had a lot of results until that point that I was way more proud of but then there was these pictures of me riding next to Lance and Leadville and it was like (laughs) all my people that I hadn't heard from in 10 years were like, Oh my gosh, dude, you wrote the arm. Like, Oh wow. Like they couldn't believe it. And I was like, all right, like I've been doing this a long time. And I got like, no, no recognition. <laughs> and then boom, that, like, so it's like that there's a few things that started to sort of like get me a little bit more to think like, huh, I guess I can pursue this a bit more. And it was a slow process, you know, like I didn't just go all in and I think that was good because I bet I would have probably burned myself out if I, hadn't had the balance of work and, and everything. So um, in 2012 is when I got a coach and that really like late 2012 going into the 2013 season. And that was just a game changer for me. Like personally, like I'd never really done focused training, like focused intervals, things that were like targeted at, you know? And so I was like, Whoa, like all of a sudden, at 2013, I just like, took off and like, I saw huge results, um, and a big change through 2013, 14, 15. Um, and so that was a big help. I was working with at that time, Adam Pulford, uh, with CTS training, um, through show Cannondale, And that was like, that was a big part of also getting me to the next level. Um, and I feel like i kind of built that base through my late twenties doing a lot. I did in my late twenties. I also did a lot of endurance stuff, more like the hundred milers, you know, the 50 milers. Um, and so I was building up and at that time I had more time to ride too, just with, with less family commitment and everything. So maybe I built a bit of a base then, and then I got more focused with like purposeful training in my early mid thirties. And that really paid off at that point. And then I made a, a bigger push in cross country. Um, and that this one being like 90 minutes, it's totally different than like you know, the training that you'd want to do for like a hundred mile area. I mean, not totally different, but definitely a little bit different.
0: So. Will you talk for a minute about the, the injury in 2016? I think it's pretty interesting. Like not only what happened, how crazy it was, but then how you came back and, uh, you know, worked with art a little bit. And I mean, that was when I started noticing you, because I think Bart, I don't know if you posted the x-ray or I saw the x-ray of your foot somewhere. And I was just, I I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, that was pretty rough one. It was I. So that year, 2016, I was on the long team for the uh, Rio Olympics um, and I had a lot of great results in 2015. um, And I think I was a third at cross country nationals that year. And then I was one of the top two Americans at a couple of World Cups. And so going into 2016, we, you know, it was the Olympic long team and I'm like, well, I'm on it. And like, don't get me wrong. I was a complete long shot it was really unlikely that I was going, but it's one of those things that you never know. So why rule it out? Might as well try. And so the, the selection criteria um, came up and it was, well, the first World Cup is the first selection and it's in Cairns, Australia. And I was like, never been to Australia. Maybe I should go. And so I went um, and it was one of those trips. It was just like a weird... The whole trip was kind of weird once I got there and then, you know, I had a really bad crash and uh, pre-riding one day and I wasn't sure if I was going to race um, and started the race. And long story short, first lap, I had this just weird crash that wasn't anything crazy. It was in a rock garden and I came unclipped and I sort of saved it and I jumped off my bike and my bike sort of flipped down the rock garden. But I just like stayed on my feet and I jumped down an embankment but I landed on a rock right on my feet. And it was right on, on, like with carbon soled shoes and I didn't even hit the ground other than my feet. And I just knew right away, first step, that's not good. Like my foot felt like a hot piece of mush. And and I, so I shattered my calcaneus, which is my heel bone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, from there it was um, carried to a four wheeler, four-wheeler to the ambulance, ambulance to the hospital, x-rays, foreign country, like the whole nightmare, flying home on a 30-hour flight with like a like a foot that I felt felt every heartbeat because it was like they hard casted it and it was swelling. And I just kept going. I mean, that was one of the, I thought when I heard it, oh, calcaneus, heel bone, that's not too bad, right? And then i and talking to, I think Bart was one of the first to like kind of tell me like. Now that's probably one of the worst bones to break um, in your body, just especially if you if you need a big surgery there because there's really not any blood flow to the heel, or really not that much so far from the heart, and it's a really um, important spot because it bears all your weight. Your Achilles attaches to it, so um, it was yeah surgery here. Drew Van Borum, who's a local rider, he's my um, brother-in-law. Yes,
3: oh, really, brother-in-law. I- yeah.
1: So Drew, Drew fixed me up, did an amazing job. Um, I was off my feet including pedaling for three months. Um, and then I got back to, I had to learn how to walk again. I didn't, I started walking again in like August of that year and started like spinning on the bike around the same time. And it was like one of the slowest, longest recoveries. Um, and it's, it's like still to this day, you know, I feel it. It's just, an, it's a normal thing now, but, um, hmm. I've I've found ways to to sort of like, you know, work around and and I can get out I like you know the fact that I can do these trail runs is amazing. It hasn't helped me back on the bike that much, so I'm feeling great about it. But it was a really long. It basically took me out. The rest of that year It was kind of a wash. And then um, even getting into 2017, it was like, whoa, this is yeah. I had to sort of build back up again. So 2017 was a, kind of a roller coaster for me, um, and like. Like Stuart was of saying, I worked a lot with uh, Ardo O'Connor and uh, Woodcar Fit locally for strength training. Um, I did a lot of PT and just kind of, it was one of those things, still seeing improvements two years out. Um, so, and, you know, yeah, now it's, there's a bunch of hardware in there. There's like 30 screws and yeah. uh, it's hard to get it in a ski boot, but mm. fine in a cycling shoe luckily. So
0: <laughs> yeah, mm. crazy, man what a wild experience. I can't, yeah, that was not how I was hoping that trip would
1: go, but uh, you know, you can't plan those things. So,
0: well, one thing I've learned from Alex, uh, you know, whenever we talk is he always says kind of the same thing when, whenever, um, like, let's say I'm on the edge of not burnout, but like I've done a lot of riding or a lot of training or it's after a race or whatever, end of the season, you know, he always talks about how, um, he just kind of like reminds me if your heart, if you're not like into it, you just like step back for a bit. Um, and it's some of the best advice and not only that, you know, but I watch him on Strava do it. So he's got, he's a new dad. Well, not new dad. I mean, you have a six-year-old, but like running relatively running. Um, uh, you you took up skiing this year, like cross country skiing, um, and, and all those things that kind of are the whole picture of, of fitness and taking care of yourself. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. This year I've really tried to sort of do the athlete first, like, and, and, and not just in like, okay, you know, put yourself first other, you know, and over over other priorities, it's more of be a well-rounded athlete and, uh, you know, be a a good athlete, well-rounded, strong, and then, you know, kind of take it from there. Um, Because I did a lot of years of just, really cycling focused training, which is great when that's your, when those are your goals. And that was kind of my job, like part of my job, like I did work, but I also, that the the racing was a paying thing for me. So um, yeah, it's a sacrifice you got to make, and then now I'm trying to sort of balance that back out and do these other things and use different muscles and a lot of lateral movement. So um, that's kind of the, what I'm And it's, it's been a tougher transition. Like I got an injury last year from running that took me off from running for a while but so yeah, it's been nice to get back into it, and, and back to your point, Stuart. About about yeah, if you if you're starting to feel that burnout, both mentally and physically, um, I mean, we at the end of the day, we got to want to do this, right? And and we do it because we want to and we like it. So, it was, and I and I did learn when I was injured with with that heel and looking at twelve weeks of I couldn't even put my like foot on the ground and, and walk. Like just thought, wow, I used to get so stressed if I got a cold. And I was so worried about missing three days of training and I couldn't, I would like go and train with a cold and then I get more sick. And I was like, well, why did I do that? Like I should have just <laughs> rested, you know, but it's so hard to see that in the moment where you think that you just need to keep hitting it and that you can't afford to take the step back. And then, then I get this step back of like, Oh yeah, you can't even walk for three months. And then it's like, Oh, okay. So then I got like, when I would get a cold after, whatever like once I was back to training I was like I, I didn't even care like I got a cold whatever I'll take a few days off whatever I'll get better I'll get back to training like it's nothing compared to taking off what I had before and so that was a little bit of perspective and I know there's, there's way worse injuries out there I mean people get just gnarly stuff happening to them and some people they never get the chance to get back and so then you start to think about that it's like geez you just got to appreciate what you can do and if you're starting to feel like stagnant or like unmotivated or burned out and it's just like okay well take a week off, few days off, whatever, just reset, you'll be back in no time, and just that perspective of, oh yeah, like this, this is something that we're doing, it's like a privilege to be able to do it, and just enjoy it, like that mindset is really allowed me to enjoy all this so much more, because it, it's easy to get wrapped up, especially like on a, when you have big expectations for yourself, and you want to go and do this, or you have other people have expectations for you, maybe, and you get so results focused or outcome oriented that you just use lose track of the fun and why you're doing it. And then all of a sudden it's not as enjoyable. And when it's not as enjoyable, the results will suffer anyway. So mm-hmm. um, that's something I've learned the hard way more than a few times. <laughs> Makes um, a right. big difference though, keeping it fresh and just that desire to get out there and having fun. Like that's what it's all about. Nice.
2: Keeping it fresh, man. Title of the
0: podcast, keeping it fresh, keeping it fresh. Nice. Good, Jake. There we go. I like it. (laughs) Hey, well, I did ask Alex. um, He wrote down five pieces of advice, you know, for all, you know, basically like what he's learned over his life for, for cycling. And we said, you know, it could be cycling. It could be family. It could be training. It could be whatever. Um, Alex, do you want to run through on me? How do you want to do them? Do you want to talk about each? Like, is there a good way to do it? Okay.
1: Yeah. Let me pull them up, make sure I remember what I wrote down and then
0: (laughs) I'll
1: go through. I'll start the first one and then, well, we can, I'll run through and then we can chat about them. Um, if you guys have anything to add to each on a couple of them, I'm like, I'm going to throw in like a second, like a counterpoint. And then, so, um, it's hard to choose just five. Okay. Uh, Uh, let's see here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the first one we've we kind of touched on it earlier, but the first one I put, and I think it's the most important, is find your balance. Um, and that's in everything, cycling, sports, family life, work. Um, that's something where, you know, if you just look, if you just take the view of, of cycling, say, and how it fits into your life, you know, it's got to be a sustainable balance where in order for you to keep doing it and enjoying it and have it be fulfilling – it has to be a stable balance and it's an ever-changing balance too. Um, you know, for me, obviously the balance has shifted over the years. When I was a teenager and in high school, that was one thing, you know, at that point I had a high school girlfriend, whatever, and friends. And so there was a balance there. And then I get out and there was a balance with, you know, during my twenties when I had a little bit less responsibilities. So it was maybe, you know, more time. And then, and then as I got into my thirties, it, it changed, you know, I had work and balancing racing, um, you know, I got married, and then kids, and wow, that changes the balance, and you guys that have kids know, I mean, that's all of a sudden a complete game changer, right, um, and so how, how does it fit in with kids, and, and so um, that's just an ever-changing thing, and it's different for everyone, everyone's balance is going to be different, and it's got to work for you, and the whole family, and your job, like, nobody, you know, people, co-workers, and, and employers, or employees don't want someone that's too tired to, like, be functioning at work family members don't want that like we don't want that so it's like yeah how does it fit in like what like is people always talk about like a certain volume you should train or a certain all these things how many times a week should you ride it's like well whatever fits for you you know like make it fit and don't worry about what someone else is doing which actually that's going to be another point that i just that's another one of my five things is don't worry about what other people are doing because that's their life and that's what fits for them and I see that a lot in Strava is probably one of the worst things for that um, is wondering and seeing all these people out doing all this stuff. Right. And you're just thinking everyone's doing more than you or, Oh my God, this person did this. And wow, look at this person, like they're training there, you know? And so it's great. It's motivating for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. There's always there's these great spots because it gets people out. Like, oh, dang, he did that. I'm going to do this too. But as long as you're not getting stressed about, <laughs> so or like trying to do something just because you see, like pros doing it. Well, okay, well, they don't even have a job. So, I mean, that is their job. They're gonna just go and ride 25, 30 hours a week and then they're gonna post up on the couch. And if you work 40 hours a week and you try to ride 25 hours a week, you're you're bound to crash. So anyway, that's sort of a just worry about yourself and yeah, don't worry about what other people are doing and find your balance is kind of the main takeaway there. You guys got something to add to that?
0: Well, yeah, I want to hear from Jake and Spence. I mean, what is your key to balance? I mean, how do you guys decide? I mean, we all have to make a decision. How do you, how do you make it? What do you, how about you, Chip? You want to go first?
3: Yeah, ba- balance for me would be the hours of 5 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. Because otherwise, <laughs> exactly. uh, working kids, like Alex is saying, has been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, frankly, the last 20 years of my life. And so, um, yeah, you just have to, you, you have to find balance. But here's the thing. You, one thing I want to tie into what Alex is saying is even if it is a small amount of training, you can find some real enjoyment in that. And that's why we do this because we have to love it. So rather than, than being fixated on the Strava results or the time results or that or my uh, point-to-point time is 10 hours and Alex's is six hours, <laughs> I, I had I had a great time and that's how I find balance in it.
1: Nice. What's all about? Nice, dude. How about you, Jake? Yeah I'm,
2: the, yeah, I'm the same with Chip. I mean, I know if I don't get it in between five a.m. and eight a.m., it's kind of like you know I don't get it in for the rest of the day. So, take that opportunity to do in the morning. But also, I think you know it's you're you're totally right on on the Strava part, Alex. I mean, it's like you jump on Strava and it's just like addicting all day. I mean, it's oh this person did this right or this, and you're always constantly comparing. So. I think some I've done is actually remove the Strava app from my home f- screen on my phone and remove it on the back screen. Just so I'm not like getting notifications all day and looking at that app. And, and, uh, it's kind of helped me kind of, I guess, uh, remove myself a little bit, you know, as I ride in the morning and then maybe check it once at night, but, uh, by doing, removing it off my home screen, I found a little bit more peace and not always this anxiety of like checking constantly, like all day of man, people are doing this and that. So
0: nice. Good call. Great. Very good. Um, When I try to balance, I always tell Kristen, because Kristen rides too, and my wife, um, whenever it's a thing that if I am like obsessive in my mind over a thing, then I know that that thing has taken over the balance. Anyway, for what what it's worth. Okay, Alex, you want to do number two? This is a good one. Jake's going to love this one.
1: Okay. Number two, keep it fun and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> got you. You've
0: got
2: to.
1: You. <laughs> because I've seen it way too many times where people forget we're just riding bikes. This is supposed to be fun. We don't need, and I've seen, I mean, over the years I've seen people beating themselves up, beating, like getting mad at other people or just losing track of, of why they're doing it and just, It's just, uh, I mean, we're out pedaling bikes around wearing goofy colorful clothes. Like it's, uh, it's just fun at the end of the day, right? Like there's, and and I mean, this, this crazy stuff that's gone on the last year, like has even magnified that where you're like, wow, this isn't really that important. Like compared to a lot of the other stuff that's going on, we're just riding bikes, just have fun. You know what I mean? so, yeah, just, and you know, there's always someone faster. I like to say that unless you're like world champion, right? There's always someone faster. So people take themselves so seriously, and it's like, all right, well, you just haven't met the faster person, right? So I don't know. That's kind of like keep your ego in check, keep it fun. Don't take yourself seriously. Nice. And just kind of, you know, what? I, once I stop having fun with with something that I'm doing, I just my motivation goes in the tank, and my performance goes in the tank and results go in the tank you know that sort of follows and it's just but if i'm having fun with something i'm motivated i want to do it it's great like i don't even care like you know people talk a lot about like the flow state right of of, like you find the state where you like you kind of lose the conscious thought and you're just like in the zone right that's kind of the in the zone and for me if i'm just having fun and it's so much easier to get in the zone Whereas if I'm worried about something, how I'm doing, where someone, you know, like those are the days where you're not really in the zone and those, those are the days where you're kind of forcing it for me. So yeah, that's why I put that one as a number
0: two. That's great. I mean, we've had probably five other guests on here that said, I mean, Dave Sharp said the same thing. Ed Channer said the same thing. Mike Hansen said the same thing. Sean Yeager said the same thing. I mean, experienced cyclists. I mean, they're all like, Hey, just, I love Alex wrote. He didn't say what he said. Be cool to others. I mean, it's, that's what, I agree 100%. Such yep. great advice. Nice. All right. Okay. Number, number
1: three. three. And we all, we sort of touched on this one already. Um, but uh, think about your why. Like, why are we getting out there? Why are we doing this? Like, it does make a difference. And, you know, sometimes you may not know, but like, at least thinking about it, and then it can change too. Like, it definitely changes for me. I've seen my, the, why change a lot of times, um, just more recently. Um, you know, it, we went from like, why am I training? Why am I getting out on this ride when it's whatever, hot, cold, ugh, don't feel like it eh, to, you know, okay. I am I'm, I'm getting out of this ride cause I'm training for a crusher or whatever. And then, or it's my job. Right. And then now it's like, why am I getting out? Because I want to, right. So, or I, you know, I feel like I feel better after, right? So, and, and I enjoy it when I'm doing it. So, like, my why's my why has shifted. But as long as you sort of have an idea of, like, deep down, and like, try try not to have the why be because I want to do a top ten in my age group at whatever. Like, that's <laughs> to me, that's like a that's a goal, but it's not a why. Like, the why is like what internally, like what pushes you to get out there, and like, why do you feel? What makes you want to, to go out and suffer, right? Like, it's for everyone.
0: So, I love that advice. So good. Nice. All right. And then you did four. Don't worry about what other people are doing. That was great. Yeah. We, had,
1: we sort of touched on that one. So,
0: yeah. All right. And then and, five.
1: Yeah. What? Are, oh, so did I? Oh, yeah. Be cool to others. Yeah. I didn't say it, but I put that in there. Um, I wanted to make sure we, we touched back on that one too, because that's a uh, man, you see a lot of people like, just like throwing hate around at each other, and it is like I just you know, especially when you're on the bike, um, just you know, be cool just to everyone wave. and just wave, wave, yeah, that would be a good one. Just wave, like it doesn't take much, you know, wave and a hello, and uh, you know, just out here enjoying the day. So um, yeah, and then the last one is enjoy the process, and that, that's like super. I mean, that's probably pretty trendy right now because everyone's talking about like, oh yeah, you got to enjoy the process. Not don't look at the outcome, but like, that's a real, I think that's, there's, I mean, there is a reason that it's kind of a big talking point lately is because it's, it's totally true. Like if your motivation is, is outcomes and results, then it's, it's just, it's, it's a thin foundation. It's a weak foundation, you know, but if your motivation is you really love the day in day out process of training and how you feel and you know what it gives you daily um then you're then you're a lifelong athlete and that's what it's all about to me so
0: um, i agree. it's my 100 jake you unmuted what were you going to say man
2: no i just uh, i think this all hits home i think these are great you know fight these five points i'm going to write them down and and uh, you know, put them to somewhere I can see them and look on them every morning. I mean, this is it's it's all perspective, right? I think this is just great perspective, and and coming from a guy a champ like like Alex, I mean, this can all apply to all of us, and and uh, just really cool stuff.
0: Right on, thanks, Spence. How do you enjoy the process, man? Um, being outside,
3: just. Uh exercise in general is how I enjoy the process. It is one of those things where when I get, uh, my exercise done and I prefer mornings that I can say, no matter what happens today, something bad at work or something, some bad news or whatever. Hey, at least I saw the sunrise with my friends while getting some exercise and I can handle it. I can handle it because, uh, I can always reflect back on that process. I think the
0: process is, uh, so fun. Yeah. Well, especially if the, especially if the end goal kind of tanks, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you blow that thing at the ending and you haven't focused on how enjoyable the process is, that ending is kind of a, it stings a little bit. So exactly. And it
1: sucks when it's happening too. When
0: you're like, I put all this
1: into this and then I'm definitely, you're like not having a good race and you, Sunk all this stuff, and you're so serious about it, like you're just yeah. having these terrible internal thoughts, right? But if you've enjoyed <laughs> the whole process and you're just having fun at the race too, it's like positive thoughts. Yeah. Yep. I, going back to the early thing, I wanted to give you guys props because that's something you guys are up and at it so early and so consistently. Like I'm, I'm in <laughs> awe of that. Um, and I've, I've so I've had to shift that. You know, I used to train a lot midday. You know, just as as a pro, like we race at like. 2 p.m., 3 p.m. mostly, and pro mountain bike starts are weird, so they're always a middle of the afternoon, and so you kind of have to get used to, like, training in the middle of the day, and so I did a lot of lunch rides at work, Um, and lately, like, just with work and my family, like, it doesn't work anymore. I can't just find that time (laughs) in the middle of the day, so I've been like, okay, I got to get it done in the morning, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can get started at 7, and sometimes at 7.15 or 7.30, you guys are starting, like, 5.30 or, like, 4, whatever, I'm like, okay, I got to I got to Like slowly get there. And I'm not sure if I will. So props to you guys for that. It's pretty. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I blame Stu. <My>, it's <laughs> like Spence says, dude, if it's not done by seven 30, it's not going to happen. That's amazing. I can't go yeah. out.
1: That's awesome. See, and then you got like, there's no baggage attached because you're like, okay, well you were sleeping. And I, you know what? Yeah. I was riding with,
0: the only, atta- the only baggage attached—the only baggage attached—is arriving at work in a half, like you're half of a zombie, versus <laughs> like a normal worker. <laughs> there
1: you go. Well, you get used so to good. it, I
0: guess. Hey, well, uh, maybe let's wrap up. Any other any any concluding thoughts from uh, from anybody as we as we wrap up with Alex? Oh, shoot! I
1: just lost you there.
0: Oh, I was just saying. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up and, and and kind of finish? Any other questions for Alex or, or thoughts?
3: thanks alex you're a good example and uh, alex has also been alex and bart have helped a lot of our kids who race on the mountain bike teams and setting them up and giving advice and so um, we appreciate you in 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 all aspects
1: yeah happy to help i love giving back in that way and seeing kids on bikes is awesome so stoked about that
2: amen no thanks Alex and and uh, I think it's uh I I ride with Stu a lot and I actually ride with with Chip a lot too. these two guys and um I will say it's it's been fun to kind of see I mean Stu's always been good and 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 Spence obviously he's a legend in his element but I think uh you know Stu has kind of been you know reaching out to you and things like that it's been fun to kind of see him progress and I I was able to do his support in loaded last year and seeing him at that podium finish man seeing him just pound that out was something cool and I know it's you know, I give a lot of credit to you for helping him throughout the year. And just it's it's cool to see that progression. Right. You talk about it as, you know, you when you're in middle school and then all of a sudden you get this coach and not saying that you're his coach or whatever. But it's just cool to see that progression, that help and take it to the next level. So yeah, Matt, kudos re- to you.
1: that's rewarding for me, too. You know, but ultimately, starts someone's turning the cranks. Um, yeah, he's been
0: killing it lately, so. Hey, had a 10 minute power PR this morning, guys. Like let's not overlook that.
1: Ooh, I gotta log in and check that out.
0: <laughs> I it doesn't that count. Doesn't it was powerful. on Zwift. Doesn't matter. Nice. <laughs> well, Alex, I uh I, I hesitate to offer your coaching services to others. Is that a thing that you wanna talk about?
1: Yeah, I think for the right person. Um, you know, I'm I'm super busy with, with gear rush and everything, but um the right person uh, that, you know, I communicate well with that has, you know, goals that are kind of interesting to me. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to talk. But yeah, I mean, it's right now, it's just that I've just got a couple people that I work with. It's not it's just something I do on the side, because I love it. And it's a good way for me to stay involved with that sort of side of things. Uh, but yeah, for sure. If anyone's ever uh, interested, just get in touch with me.
0: Okay, what's the best? What's the best way? Is there a good way? Uh, Ask probably me. email?
1: Yeah, I'm an email guy. Like I I'm not very good at social messaging or social media <laughs> messaging, so yeah, email is the best. Uh, Alex Grant, four one one at gmail dot
0: Alex Grant, four one one. Cool. Well, I think i you
1: guys sometime this spring if I can get yeah. my money that early. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it.
0: Porter's Fork. Porter, I I think Porter's Fork stays on the goal sheet. I think we Has go to. after
1: that. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's gonna be a while till that one melts out, but.
2: <laughs> I do Bye. I just want to be there when it happens. So whenever hey. you're planning on doing it, I wanna be there.
0: <laughs> okay. I'll let you uh, know. Thanks, Alex. You the man. Thanks, dude. Alex. Appreciate Great, thanks. it. Just, guys. Okay. Cheers.